welcome to the Thriving Advisor Show. I'm Ike Ikoku, and together with Nina Venturella, we are co-founders of the Cochinaire Institute and the Seven Figure Mentor Program. We help executives create successful transitions out of corporate life without jeopardizing their current employment and without risk to their family, finances, or future. We launch business consulting practices for our clients and use that as a vehicle to establish their personal brand, their thought leadership, and to monetize their purpose, passion, wisdom, expertise, and experience. This helps them address the problem of how to design a successful transition out of corporate life and into doing something adventurous and fulfilling that allows them to have the kind of impact, influence, and income they desire in this next chapter of their life. We believe that executives who have been thriving in the boardroom with their responsibilities to their current employer can also thrive outside of the boardroom in their post-corporate life. We know that you have relevant experience, expertise, as well as a unique message and or a passion project that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet in the next 15 to 20 minutes. All right, well, let's get into today's show. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Thriving Advisors podcast. I have with me today, Maureen Falvey. She's got a very, very distinguished and rich background in the advertising space. And she has since transitioned into marketing, excuse me, not marketing, uh, but coaching. And uh, so we're going to dig in and uh, see what pearls of wisdom she can share with us today. Maureen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ike. I'm so glad to be with you today. Yeah, so, so glad to have it. you here. Glad to have you here. So we were talking a little bit of, uh, just off camera in the green room about the company that you work for. So why don't you start there and tell us a little bit about the company you work for and what you guys do at a high level. Yeah, awesome. So after about 30 years in the wonderful world of advertising, I am now the lead coach and trainer at Strong Training and Coaching. And uh, it's an interesting combination because all of our coaches and trainers have had at least 20 plus years of leadership experience and we're coaches and trainers. So is that when a we're coincidence or is that like a requirement qualification to actually even work with them? It's a bit of a qualification because okay. we we feel the need, I don't know if I'd say we feel the need for speed. We want to move you to where you want to be as fast as you're comfortable doing that. So as a coach, if I'm also a trainer, then I can pull something off the shelf. If you're struggling with conflict or difficult conversations or transition or a career issue, then we pull the best practice and we move you along that much further. Now the training piece, so that the training helps the coaching. The coaching is really interesting too, because it's almost like this, especially during the pandemic, this massive focus group of how people are doing. Right as we move through the wave of stress and then hope and then dashed hope and right as we go through this and so I've created we've created new training programs just based on how people are doing right now. So we've done about unfortunately you know but twice as much stress and burnout. 
and managing that, a ton of career coaching around transition. Mm -hmm. And then we just uh, crossed the final T on cultivating confidence because it's taken a real hit for people having to work this way. We don't have the wonderful warm cues that we have in an office to know that we're safe, to know that we can try things, to know that we can play. Uh, So we're cultivating confidence as well. So yeah, yeah, it's excellent. It used to be when people would meet you and they go, hey, Maureen, how are you? We'd say that almost as a, you know, a tradition, not really wanting to know how you're really doing just as a formality. But I think now with uh, the reset that we've experienced, I think more people are are tending to be a little bit more intentional and just kind of pause when they ask that question to actually see what you have to offer up and share. So um, one of the many benefits of, of COVID, I guess you could say, right? Yeah, I think we'll never forget that the people we're working with are humans. You can see into their homes and their children and their pets. Um, There was a gentleman that I was coaching and um, it was usually my daughter will not barge through the door, but she did. And Mm -hmm. she gave me a big bear hug. And this gentleman started to cry. And I said, how are you? And he said, no one has hugged me or touched me in over a year. So there's such compassion for the lack of connectivity. And I hope as leaders that we are asking our people every day, how are you doing? I have at least three clients right now that are going to quit their job because no one has asked them how they're doing in over a year. Can you imagine? Of course, the empathy, huh? Yeah. I mean, if you can't find it deep in there, it's always there. I mean, it's just, it's part of our DNA. But if, if, if you can't muster that up, reach deep into that well and pull that out in the present times, it's like... How callous can you be, right? Yeah, no wonder we're in the midst of a great resignation. Yes, so true. So there's a lot of things you guys do in the coaching and training space. What would you, if you were to pick an umbrella to kind of encapsulate the biggest problem you feel like you guys solve for your clients, what would you say that is? Cultivating confidence and unleashing creativity. So if you're the leader person, how do you show up as that person that everyone wants to work with and for, right? Maybe you've got the high standard, but not the devotion piece, or it's the other way around. Mm. So how do we make you magnetic? And I don't mean charm. I mean, the person that makes people feel safe to play and to try things. So cultivating the confidence to show up that way, um, unleashing the creativity to make people feel safe. Um, If you ever watch children play on a playground, they're not looking to see if anyone's watching them. They're going higher and they're going higher. And of course they fall, but they're not like, oh, I hope no one saw that, right? It's full self-expression. I wish business could feel that way. So we're trying to create the conditions under which people do their best work, whether we're working directly with the executive or the people who are reporting in. Yeah, setting up a place to play. That's good. I'd love to, I mean, 25 years in advertising, that's an entire career right there, right? (laughs) Um, what was going on in your world when you decided to make a shift? Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for asking. It's, um, I have this saying, it's so simple. I almost even don't want to repeat it, but it's this, uh, we do what we're doing until we can't do it anymore. Mm. And I think if we stay open and we're listening for the signals and what I'm really talking about is energy. Mm. If you can go through, if someone's ever starting to question, am I in the right spot? Then just start to map your energy during the day. Is it at a one? Is it at a 10? Which rooms are you starting to be drawn to? Who are you hanging out with? What is, what is uh, interesting to you and what isn't when the day that you went home and you had right, no energy, 
What was going on? What are you curious about? So if you don't have any time for reflection, then that shift is never going to happen. But for me, I started to notice the room I wanted to be in was no longer the creative person showing me all those great ideas, which I loved for so many years, or even the strategy people that are wicked smart, right? There's questioning everything. Um, it was the L&D person, learning and development, and the HR people who were talking about the people and how do we get them better and how do we bring them programs and mentor them and help them get out of their own way. And the more I looked around and again, saw that person over there that everyone wants to work for and with, how, how did they do that? And can I teach that? And the answer is yes. So I did what I was doing till I couldn't do it anymore. So I did a bunch of learning and development and mentor and all kinds of other wonderful things until I needed to, was called to make it my full-time job. And now there is no day that feels like work anymore. If people can be courageous enough to look at where they're supposed to be. um, My mom has, she's a therapist, but she has this wonderful saying, which is, The purpose of life is not to be pushing a cart uphill with your nose the whole time. It's to be in it riding. And when do you want to do that? When you're 50, when you're 60, when you have six weeks left to live. All right. So that transition, if we can just listen, it'll take some courage. Find a coach, find a friend, put your plan together. And even if you're scared, do it anyway. Right. But there is a cart you're supposed to be in. And then even if there are bumps in the road, Right, you're where you're supposed to be, and there's no. I know you experience this because I know what you do. Look yeah. at that smile on your face. Right? You're right where you're supposed to be, yeah. <laughs> and I want that for everyone. Can you imagine the energy in the universe if we were all in our cart riding? The uh, two, the two most significant days are the days that we were born and the day that we re- realize why. And there's such brilliance in what you said about monitoring, being observant and, and aware of our energy because our body and the way we've been built, it never lies, right? Regardless of what's going on, whatever, whatever is emanating from you, it's significant enough for you to pay attention. And uh, so I just wanted to affirm that, uh, you know, John Maxwell's one of our mentors and part of his team. And he always talks about the way people should orchestrate meetings and make sure that you inform people ahead of time what the energy requirement is for that specific meeting. Oh, that's good. So they show up (laughs) and not take away from, but actually contribute to the meeting, right? Uh, But you made a point earlier that I thought was pretty significant. When you you saw the epiphany moving from the marketing and the strategy folks, HR and L&D, and just kind of seeing people lead and lead very naturally and just you know, elicit confidence in others that they're leading and do it very, just, you know, very naturally. And you said, man, how do they do that? And then the second part was, can I teach it? I think it was really pretty important. Because far too many times people look at speakers, coaches, it doesn't matter what the profession is, but we we resonate to ourselves. They were born like that. They just Mm -hmm. have natural charisma. It just comes easy for them. But what you've discovered is that there's a secret sauce that can be taught. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about what that looks like in your world. Yeah, sure. And just on that point too. So Winston Churchill, arguably a great orator, mm-hmm. for every minute of every speech he gave, he rehearsed for one hour. That was his ratio. He was not born that way. That's right. Um, right. So, so the path for that is people, the only bravery that's required is, a, is the courage to look at ourselves. And to be open, right? No one's 
perfect. We've got to let that go right away, right? You have gifts that you're going to give to this universe and other things that are going to be a struggle for you. But if you can practice and play in that struggle area and you can work with someone who can make you feel safe to do that, safe to see, I'll work with clients and there'll be a reckoning. There are some people that are sent to me because they're difficult, right? They're actually scaring people at work or people are shutting down. Um, and there's a moment in the trust that we build where they say, my God, why does everyone hate me? I'm just trying to help. And they don't yet have the empathy. It doesn't come naturally for them. Other people, yeah. Of course. So we work on that and we role play. And once I get to that place where they know that I'm not the enemy, I'm their very best friend in that moment, then they can look at themselves and imagine what it's like to be on the other side of being yelled at or corrected publicly, right? Or the person who doesn't make people feel safe. And then we get to build the tools to do that thing. And what's wonderful about the way the brain works with habits is once they start to practice these new things and people are responding to them so positively, right? And it's working, their brain or their cells, they get attracted to that and it becomes natural and they can check themselves. So a lot of times what we do, um, it's sort of the reflection I talked about in the career shift or the transition there. We just need to take those three deep breaths. You have an instinct to do whatever it is ask yourself the question, is this the most productive thing for the room, for me, for the energy? I love that from John Maxwell, for the energy in this room, for the other people, for my reputation, for who I say I want to be. And if the answer is no to those, then in those three deep breaths, we can choose something different. We can choose to be the leader everyone wants to work with and for. Therein lies the power of choice. You know, I've noticed in our conversation, uh, if I edited the, um, the transcript, I would think the word safe would like light up. Yes. <laughs> and light up like a neon signs. I mean, you talked about people who've worked for an organization for a couple of years who were on the verge of quitting, getting ready to quit because they didn't feel safe. And time and time again, as you kept on talking about what you do and how you help leaders, that word keeps coming up. So I want you to talk about what is going on in our world. And in the way in which we have evolved as species, as human beings, where we knowingly and sometimes unknowingly create the opposite of a safe environment for people around us. Yeah. Wow. That's the question, right? Well, listen, <laughs> I, um, I, I believe that it's trained out of us or that we allow it to be trained out of us. So the age at which our curiosity, meaning the opposite, the opposite of, of fear, right? Curiosity, safety. The age at which it peaks, this is gonna break your heart because it broke mine, it's age four, right? And then like this, because we're taught to not ask the questions that don't have immediate answers. And we're trained to behave a certain way, right? Not to stand out. Um, and I, we buy into that narrative until we can wake up and say, wait a second, this isn't who I was meant to be. This is someone else's definition. I know you of all people know this, but the greatest deathbed regret is I wish I would have lived a life that was true to myself instead of everyone else's definition of what it was supposed to be. So at some point, hopefully before it's too late, we get to choose. So the other word, if you did a word cloud, I love that you grabbed safety. The other one is choice. I don't know that it takes 20 years of therapy. It might, but there are people that are now in a transition to set up the rest of their lives after two sessions, because they were ready to make the choice away from suffering and into who they were. 
And they were, I don't even know if they felt safe. I yeah. say, be afraid and do it anyway. <laughs> be afraid and do it anyway. Jump but and build your safety, wings on the way down, right? Yeah. It, yeah, I love that, right? So, <laughs> so the safety, what it really means is, yes, sometimes as leaders, we want to create those conditions. I'm talking about belief in ourselves. Mm-hmm. To be scared and do it anyway, to not know and do it anyway, to believe in the calling, to believe in our skills and go. Absolutely. Yeah. Thriving advisors, one of the things we try to um, help people work through is just the transition of going from somewhere safe to unknown, which after 25 years in advertising, again, those two words are coming up, safety and choice, right? So what were some of the fears that you had to grapple with, uh, both in terms of belief in yourself? Could you do this? Fears of what it would feel like and not having a steady check and having to build something, uh, you know, with another organization, take on a slightly different identity than what you're accustomed to. What were some of those fears and how did you do it afraid? What was the last part of that? So what were some of the fears and how did you not let them hold you back from moving forward in the direction, sticking with the choice that you were conscious enough to want to make at the time? Right. Um, I made a commitment to do the thing I said I was going to do. And that didn't mean I would fight the fear. I have a friend who's a fear coach. That's all she does. And she was interviewing a bullfighter in Spain on the topic of fear, whose father was gored to death in the ring, by the way. And she said, talk to us about fear. And he said, my God, I don't fight it. He said, if I go into that ring and I have no fear, I'll die. And if I go in there and I have too much, I'll die. So I do the craziest thing. And this is what I do. I, I notice it. Sometimes I even talk to it and I say, I see you're here to do your job. Thank you. I'm going to take what I need to get in there, right? And do the thing that I need to do that I'm being paid for. So what I would do, because fear kept coming up on all the things you just said, money. Yeah. Uh, will I have enough money? Who do I think I am? Yeah. What? You've worked for dare someone you. else. Your How whole, dare you, you think you are, right. <laughs> Who do you think you are? What if no one comes? What if you build it and no one comes? What if you thought this was your gift, but it's not? So they would come and I'd just look at each one and I would give it a time limit. First, I would say, is there any learning in this for me? I don't want to not learn. Sometimes the fear is valid. You're going to fall into a subway grade or whatever. Like you want to, you want to notice what's going on. Is there any learning in this for me? And if the answer was no, it got about two minutes before I did it anyway. So I, we always hear the saying, um, people say, maybe it's easier said than done. And I just flip it. I just, what, what if it's easier done than said? Just do the thing. Yeah. Trust yourself. And that doesn't mean be reckless. Put the plan together, of course. But when that fear and that other stuff shows up, if this is your path, if you're that close to the cart, get in. Mm. Play. Go. If you need to clean something up later, you can. But just keep moving. Keep moving in the direction. Right? Of it. your dreams, of it. your contribution, of your purpose. And as you said, your why. That's right critically important and that's the thing a lot of people when they hear about courageous acts they just you know we have this false perception that people live without fear those who we deem to be courageous never experience fear and not quite the opposite (laughs) they recognize they they embrace they accept and they have conversations like hey you're gonna do your job i'm gonna do mine i always tell people to to recognize fear simply the anticipation that you're going to do something you've never done before. And regardless of the outcome, 
it's going to be good because it's a new learning experience. And going back to that curiosity phase, that's that's where we're trying to get back to, where we feel like we can embrace the world and try things. And regardless of what happens, we get to check it off in our journal. That's something new that I did today. Wasn't that fun, right? Yeah. So. It's either going to be amazing or you're going to learn something. Those are two pretty good outcomes. <laughs> Definitely. Um, another question for you. You know, I've been in the financial services industry for several years, and it doesn't matter what the industry is. I, I think there's always things that can be improved upon. So the question is this: When you think about the coaching, trading, leadership space that you're in, what's the one thing that reverberates through that industry that bugs you that you'd like to see changed? Maybe it's a culture of fear. Mm-hmm. Fear-based, um, and it's tw- it's twice as inflammatory because we need to be able in in creative industries to access our prefrontal cortex for collaboration and play. And um, Simon Sinek, who's just a leadership genius, but he says otherwise, you've only got access to about two feet around you. I want you to have miles. So if you're scared that you're never going to have another good idea because your boss made you feel like you might never have another good idea you're going to have access to two feet, right? So I, um, the reason you probably heard me use the word safety <laughs> so much is that I see the possibility in creative yeah. industries in particular of having it feel more like a playground than mm. a prison, yeah. um, right? Uh, and I think we should play. One of the best examples I ever saw of this, so I worked with Procter & Gamble and General Mills, wonderful, wonderful, smart people. And at General Mills, they had this bad idea graveyard. So if you had a real clunker, like you, you were brave and you said, let's go try this new kind of yogurt or whatever it was, and then it failed, they, they'd get these little coffins and we put the idea in the coffin and then we'd have a ceremony. We'd take it out. This is before we were, sorry, Mother Earth. We would bury it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we'd laugh just like you're laughing now because you know what? We just tried something. Yeah. So it got us one step closer to that age four. We're like, hey, what if? And I just see the potential if we played more and if we made it safe and if we checked our own egos, because there's a lot of ego in the industry too, which you can use if you cultivate, mm-hmm. just like fear, you can use it. You can use stress to your advantage. Yeah. But if you could use that to your advantage instead of to make other people feel small, right? Uh, it just would, the ideas would be magnificent. Our client relationships would be magnificent. Uh, and there'd be so much joy. There'd be so much joy. I got a 15-year-old girl with the house. She's the oldest. Um, three years, she'll be 18. And I'm just thinking back to when I was 18, I thought I knew everything that there was to know in the world, right? And with the benefit of 25 plus years in one career and, you know, succeeding in a, in a brand new, career, a totally different career, I want you to look back at 18-year-old Maureen. And if you could offer one piece of advice that you feel like would have shortened the curve, increased, you know, accelerate the trajectory of her growth, made life easy, whatever catchphrase you want to use uh, to kind of encapsulate that, what's the richest advice you would give to your 18-year-old self, which I think will be very applicable to a lot of people listening as well? Yeah, wonderful. Um, Everything is gift. Everything's a gift good news, bad news, who knows? Mm-hmm. We're going to learn or it's going to be amazing. And if you could look at, you said things that maybe make things easy, even when they're hard. What's the lesson in this? 
Maybe I'll have greater empathy because of it. Um, maybe I will snap back up faster the next time because I've been through this. Everything's a gift. So true. Life is working through me and for me, not against me. Right. So good. That's it. So I want you to look your ideal client, stare at him right now. And I want you to give a quick minute dialogue to just let them know you hear them, you see them, that you care, that you empathize with some of their deepest uh, unconfessed fears that causes them to not feel safe and consequently um, causes others to not feel safe. Uh, just reach out to them, speak to them, and then conclude with telling them how they can reach out to you if they'd like to continue the conversation. Yeah, um, thank you for that wonderful question. And here we go. Uh, so if you've ever seen a caterpillar before it becomes a butterfly, they have these home kits you can bring home for kids, but adults should do this too. In the middle bit, actually right before the end, it looks like a mad struggle in that cocoon. They're thrashing about, right? And it almost looks violent and you want to rush in and save them, right? But of course they would die. So if that's how you're feeling, if you are thrashing about and you know there's something beautiful on the other side, but you're scared or you don't have the plan together or you don't think you deserve it, I want you to know that I have done this with thousands of people. I have seen the transformation and the growth on the other side of chasing the dream of putting the plan together to make it a reality and knowing above all that you deserve to be happy. You deserve that joy. There is more out there and there are people that can work with you to make that dream a plan and ultimately a reality. That is what I want for you. I want you to be in the cart riding and yes, it's possible. All right. One step at a time. If you would like to reach out, I am Maureen at Mark Strong Coaching, and I would love to work with you. We would love to work with you. We have a bench of magnificent coaches who uh, want to make you strong at work so you can be strong in life, and we all come from a place of love. Bravo. <laughs> well done, my friend. I feel like we could have conversation for hours on end. That's just a clue that perhaps we need to do a part two at some point in the near future, so... Uh, thank you so much for your time. It's been brilliant conversation with you, very enriching, and I look forward to continuing the dialogue in the future. I thank you. I would love to do this any other time. Take care of yourself. Thank you again for the wonderful conversation. You're welcome. We'll talk with you soon. Take care. Take care. Welcome to the Thriving Advisor Show. I'm Ike Ikoku, and together with Nina Venturella, we are co-founders of the Cochinaire Institute and the Seven Figure Mentor Program. We help executives create successful transitions out of corporate life without jeopardizing their current employment and without risk to their family, finances, or future. We launch business consulting practices for our clients and use that as a vehicle to establish their personal brand, their thought leadership, and to monetize their purpose, passion, wisdom, expertise, and experience. This helps them address the problem of how to design a successful transition out of corporate life 
and into doing something adventurous and fulfilling that allows them to have the kind of impact, influence, and income that they desire in this next chapter of their life. We believe that executives who have been thriving in the boardroom with their responsibilities to their current employer can also thrive outside of the boardroom in their post-corporate life. We know that you have relevant experience, expertise, as well as a unique message and or a passion project that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet in the next 15 to 20 minutes. All right, well, let's get into today's show. 